Can we really be serious about thankfulness if we fill the season with joy and humor? Does God mind our joking and laughter? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah ponders these questions as he shares what the Bible says about the substantial link between joy and thanksgiving. Get ready to smile as David introduces today's special message, A Joyful Thanksgiving. And thank you so much for joining us. It is Thanksgiving Day. And uh, you may wonder uh, how I go about things on Thanksgiving. We have a huge dinner uh, party at our house with all of our family. Uh, that's now 25 people. So it's a lot of folks in one place. And we move furniture around and set up tables in places where tables don't usually exist. One of my tasks is I'm the potato peeler. I've been doing that for years. And I, I just know how much that helps Donna. And I made, I made a little game out of it. And I love doing it. And, well, we have a lot of potatoes when we have all those people over there. I actually can see why you would um, want somebody else to do that if you could get them to do it. And I, and I love doing it. Then, obviously, we watch a little football. We sit around. And one of the things that we love to do as a family, we play games together. And we're all competitors, so it's pretty fun. And then we do spend some time giving thanks to God for his goodness when you have your family nearby. And I feel so blessed because of that. I know some of you don't get to see your families because they're far away. Um, but we're so blessed to have everybody in our family within driving distance. They all come to our house, and we say thank you to the Lord together. I hope that's something like what happens for you. Today we're going to talk about how to have a joyful Thanksgiving. And we're going to look at a wonderful passage of Scripture, Psalm 100, Old 100. And I hope you'll find your Bibles and join us there as we begin our discussion on a joyful Thanksgiving in just a moment. You know, we're running out of time now in the month of November, so I want to make sure I continually remind you of the uh, resource for this month, which is the beautiful Romans Written Word Journal. We've prepared this book with a place for every verse in the book of Romans for you to write the book of Romans in your own handwriting. It will change your whole approach to the Scripture. It will make you fall in love with the Bible, and you'll discover that there's more here than you thought because you have, uh, you've written it in your own hands. Something happens when you write something out. It, it has a, a, short, a shorter way from your hand to your heart. And uh, there, is, there is actually facts that teach that there's a place in your, in your brain that is activated when you write things, and, and those things are stored there in a better way. I'm no scientist, so I don't know how that all works. I just know what happens when you write it out, and I want to encourage you to do it. You can get the Romans Written Word Journal. For a gift of any size during these next few days, have just a couple of days left after today. So be sure and uh, send your gift. And when you do, ask for your copy of the journal. Your gift helps us preach the Word of God around the world every day. And thank you. All right. A joyful Thanksgiving. For as long as I can remember, I have always loved stories. Not just regular stories, but funny stories. I don't know where I started liking funny stories. Probably at the dinner table because my father was a pastor. He used to come home from conferences that he would attend and somewhere between the beginning of dinner and the end of it, he would tell us the stories that he heard from his buddies. Pastors are well known for sharing the funny things that happen in ministry 
and other funny things as well. I started to enjoy humor. I actually started to find books about it. How does humor work? Why do we laugh? And is God okay with us laughing? Now, some people are not sure about that. The Bible says God laughs in the heavens. Did you know that? So if he does, I guess it's all right. Anyway, one of the best books I've read on humor has kind of a humorous title. It was written by Mark Lee, and the title of the book is Humor is No Laughing Matter. In this book, he tells how he became a follower of humor and how he became appreciative of it, how happiness became a part of his life. In the book, he said, my father-in-law was a pious man. He was a faithful churchgoer, a man of prayer and Bible study. And the thing I remember most about my father-in-law, however, was this. He was a humorless, absolutely, totally joyless man in his life. He had no humor in his life at all. Somewhere in the course of his life, my father-in-law made a turn away from the impulse of joy, and he became a trudging, daily, humorless person. One takes that pattern when his eyes are constantly downward, seeing only the problems and the monotony and the narrow shafts of time. Joy and humor are wrapped up in looking upward and seeing the stars and seeing God and the ultimate impulse for joy that he sends to us. My father-in-law, said the author Mark Lee, my father-in-law missed all of that. Even though he lived an honorable life and was a highly respected man, his spirit and knowledge were negative. He never took advantage of being a free, liberated Christian. So when his daughter and I met, we got married Disappointment became a common experience for me. For because I was a man of humor and joy, every time we had a discussion, it seemed like everything turned serious for our family. I felt I'd have to launch a program to change my wife's interpretation of life. And the change was several years in coming, but one day, after we had enjoyed a particularly happy hour with our children, she threw her arms around me and she said, Thank you, Mark. Thank you. You have taught me to laugh. When I get to heaven, I hope as one of my first activities, she said, is to find you and greet you, and then I shall find my father, and I shall see him laugh. For in all my life growing up, never once did I ever see my father laugh. I read that story, and I began to think about people that I know like that. Uh, You know, a lot of people think that if you're a Christian, that means you've got to be sad, sober, and serious. Laughter is almost like an interruption to the Christian life. People who laugh don't take things seriously. I actually know of a pastor who used to, at the beginning of his ministry, was quite funny. He had a lot of humor in his messages. But over the years, that humor sort of disappeared. And somebody asked him one day why he wasn't humorous anymore, why he didn't use humor. And he said, life has become so serious and problems so difficult, there's hardly any room for humor. He's just got it upside down. You don't need humor when things are going well. When things are going bad, humor's a big help. Amen? When I think of Thanksgiving and the opportunity we have to respond to what God has done for us, I cannot think of anything that is more out of context with a thankful heart than a joyless, humorless spirit. In fact, the 20th century theologian Karl Barth once said, 
Joy is the simplest form of gratitude. And there's one chapter in the Bible, one chapter in the Old Testament that draws a straight line from thanksgiving to joy. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles today to the 100th Psalm, if you have your scriptures with you. And if you do that, you will notice as soon as you get to the Psalm, if your Bible is like mine, it will say at the top of the 100th Psalm something like this, a song of praise for the Lord's faithfulness to his people. And underneath the superscription, it will be written a psalm of thanksgiving. It's the only chapter in the Bible like it. There's none other like Psalm 100. Thanksgiving is everywhere in the Bible, but there's no other chapter totally devoted to it and described by a title, This is a Psalm of Thanksgiving. I'd like for us to read it out loud together. Are you ready? Here we go. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. When I grew up, we would read the scripture, and the pastor would say, and may the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Psalm 100 is filled with exuberant joy. It is not sad and sober. I see God laughing in the heavens when his people respond to him, as he is instructed to us in this old 100. This particular psalm was often sung in the temple when they presented the thank offering to the Lord. If you read it, you will discover there is not one single mournful note in the entire composition. God is praised from the first verse to the last. And as I studied this, I wrote down some ways we can learn to be thankful to the Lord from Psalm 100. First of all, there are two major experiences in this psalm. The first part of the psalm is experiencing thanksgiving. The last part of the psalm is expressing thanksgiving. So let's talk first of all about how to experience thanksgiving. I don't know if you've noticed this, but sometimes it seems as if people believe that happiness leads to gratitude. But in all reality, it's exactly the opposite. Gratitude leads to happiness. Happiness is never commanded in the Bible, but gratitude is. Over and over again, we are commanded to be thankful. And when we follow that and develop a life of gratitude, the Bible teaches us that we will have a happy life because gratitude is a precursor to happiness. So let's begin our study today by reflecting on three reasons why we can be thankful. First of all, because God is God. And secondly, because he is gracious. And thirdly, because he is good. God is God. God is gracious. God is good. The three G's of gratitude in Psalm 100. First of all, we are told in this psalm to be thankful because God is God. Psalm 100 verse 3 says, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. And before we even delve into the text, let me take a burden off of you. 
This passage of Scripture says God is God. That means you are not. (laughs) You are not God. You can quit trying to be God and just realize that we have a God already. We don't need another one. But notice it says, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. Isn't it true that sometimes when we are not very thankful, it is because we try to take God's job away from him. We take on the burdens that were only meant for God to bear. We try to do things that are impossible for us to do, only God can do. And the Bible tells us that when we understand who God is, we can let go of the pressure of trying to control every detail in our life. Instead, we can rest and trust and be his children. When we let go of the burdens that belong to God, our hearts can experience the joy of thanksgiving, for we can thank him for being who he is. When was the last time you thanked God for being God? Louis Meads wrote, We can shape our feelings of gratitude by thinking straight about the fact of our existence. The only reason why any of us should exist at all lies in the mystery of why the Creator should have desired to share the gift of life. God is God, and we are who we are because He is. It was His thought that you should be here on this earth. The Bible says you were known by Him before the foundation of the world. I don't comprehend it, can't explain it to you, but I believe it. The Bible says that God knew you before you were ever born. He created you to be who you are. The Bible says God made us and we did not make ourselves. And the word of God says in Psalm 139, I will praise you for I am wonderfully and fearfully made. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. God is God, and God made you. One writer who has suggested that we should take Psalm 139, which talks about us being fearfully and wonderfully made, and put it on the mirror in our dressing room. And when we look into that mirror and see something we don't like, or something we can't change, just remember that God made us in a very special way for his glory. There aren't any accidents with God. You may not like the way you look, but God put you together that way for a purpose. And I would just like for you to get comfortable with saying, with all of the angst that you get from watching YouTube and internet and all the beauty champions all over the world who aren't really like they are, they've been airbrushed and you know it. (laughs) And you should never compare yourself to anybody like that. God made you, he made me just as we are. And we should be thankful for it. You say, well, then does that mean I shouldn't try to improve? I mean, can you improve on God? Well, you can take what God gives you and do the best you can with it. Amen? I remember there was a period of time in my life when I first came here, the church was going through this discussion about whether that was right, whether it was even spiritual. Some preachers were saying women should not make any efforts to put makeup on their face. They should just be who they are. But fortunately, I had a mentor by the name of Tim LaHaye, and he solved it all for me one day with a simple statement. He said, if the barn needs painting, paint the barn. (laughs) Amen? 
So I have never worried about that one time since that moment. (laughs) Be thankful because God is God. You know, none of us are perfect. None of us are without flaws. But we are who God made us to be, and we should be thankful for it. Realize that like snowflakes, there are no two people alike. We are individually created. But someday when we get to heaven, we will perhaps understand better why God made us the way we are. In the meantime, quit complaining about the way you're made and give God thanks that he made you. And you are not the maker of yourself. God is your creator. God is good. And God is God. Number two, be thankful because God is gracious. Verse 3 of Psalm 100 says this, We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. The Lord is my shepherd and I'm in his flock. And his whole purpose is to provide for me and care for me and he's doing quite well. When she was a teenager, Barbara Ann Kipfer began keeping a list of all the wonderful things that were in her life. Soon the list became second nature. She found herself making additions while riding the bus and eating breakfast and even in the middle of the night. 20 years and dozens of spiral notebooks later, her list was published as a book entitled 14,000 Things to Be Happy About. Each of us could write our own book if we would just become more aware of how gracious God really is. Have you ever read this verse? Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. I get a picture of God, and I don't want to be disrespectful, but God filling his truck up with blessings, backing it up to your door and dumping them all on the front porch. He daily loads us down with blessings. We should be thankful because God is God. We should be thankful because he's gracious. And then we should be thankful because God is good. He is not only gracious to us, he is good to us. His mercy never ends and his truth never fails. Psalm 100 verses 4 and 5, be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. On another occasion in the book of Psalms, we read these words, the Lord will give grace and glory. Now listen carefully. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And James echoes the Old Testament psalmist when he writes, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. God is God. God is gracious. God is good. Have you ever had a moment when you just paused and let the fact that goodness of God roll over you and give thanks. I remember reading in a book by Ken Hutcherson called Hope is Contagious. He said, one day I was relaxing in my recliner after having spent five hours in the emergency room the night before. I looked around, I saw my family going about their lives as usual, video games, chores, music, laughter. My wife, Pat, was fixing breakfast. Even our new little puppy was settling into a comfortable routine and enjoying everyone's efforts to spoil him. A visitor stopped by to chat. Some friends from church surprised me with a birthday cake. I had almost forgotten that it was my birthday. So there I sat, he wrote, surrounded by so much goodness even as I'm feeling lousy. My favorite cake is staring me in the face, but I have no appetite. My 11-year-old runs past me, and I don't have the strength or energy to grab him and wrestle him like I usually do. 
I'm trying to have a conversation with my guests, but between the short night with no sleep and all the powerful pain pills, I can hardly stay awake. And you know what I'm thinking? Can you imagine how close I am to being overwhelmed with all the goodness that is happening to me that moment? Have you ever had a moment like that? Sometimes in the midst of a very negative situation, you just stop and you think and things happen around you and all of a sudden you realize, oh my goodness, I am so blessed. God is so good. And have you ever given thanks to God for that? Jessica Shaver, who's written about this, said that we should also learn how to be grateful for the things God doesn't do. And she wrote a little article called Giving Thanks for Nothing. She said, I'm grateful for years now that I haven't lost my contact lenses in a bowl of hot noodles. <laughs> she said, I'm thankful that the phone call in the middle of the night was the wrong number and not someone calling to tell me about a death in the family. And I'm thankful my house didn't burn down when I left the iron on for five hours. And I'm thankful for all the times I've tripped over my son's book bag or couldn't find a place for margarine in the fridge because my daughter filled it with bottles of nail polish. Because these two things remind me that I have a family and that that family has made me very happy. Isn't it good just to stop and realize that God is in charge not only of what he gives us, but what he keeps from us? One of my favorite authors, and I've mentioned him before, is a, a young writer named Mark Batterson. Written some pretty interesting books. His most recent book is called Double Blessing. And in this book, he tells about having issued a gratitude challenge to his congregation. The challenge was to thank God for the things we typically take for granted. And he tells in his book about a woman who was a, a physician who took the challenge quite seriously and attempted to thank God for the many miracles that were happening in her body at any given moment. So this doctor, as she left church, started praising God. Thank you, God, for aerobic respiration. Thank you for mitochondria, which right now are creating ATP. Thank you for ATP. I have no idea what that is. By the time she got home, she was thanking God for each of her amino acids. Thank you, God, for glycine. Thank you for leucine. And she prayed while she took a walk outside, thanking him for bones and ligaments and tendons. She also thanked him that somehow she never took an anatomy course in college because otherwise she would have to thank God for every bone by name. She listened to music. She thanked God for her ear. While she made dinner, she thanked him for xylem in the plants she was preparing. She spent a lot of time thanking him for the molecular properties of water. And by the time the sun set that day, and it got dark at 9 o'clock, she thought God got amused with the futility of her trying to thank him for everything. And the Spirit finally hushed her, saying, You can stop now. Needless to say, she won the gratitude challenge, hands down, in her church. God is God. He's gracious, and he's good. And the evidence is all around us. The evidence is inside of us. The Bible does say we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God is the one who did it. And we are the one who've been blessed by it. In eternity past, he chose us to be one of his children. And here we sit, children of Almighty God, and the product of his goodness and his graciousness. Amen. Well, once again, friends, uh, happy Thanksgiving to all of you from all of us here. 
We uh, treasure our relationship with you. I know it's not always as intimate as we'd like it to be because we're here and you're there. But because we are in Christ, there is this kind of DNA fellowship that we enjoy. And periodically, we do get to see each other in our rallies and events across the country. Um, We hope you will have a wonderful rest of Thanksgiving wherever you are and whenever you're listening to this. Happy Thanksgiving. Tomorrow we will continue our discussion from Psalm 100. And before I say our final goodbye, let me remind you again, there's a Bible sale going on. Uh, You can find out about it at our website, which is davidjeremiah.org. There you will discover how you can get a copy of the Jeremiah Study Bible. And I think there's a good discount for this weekend. And we'll get it to you right away so you'll have it for Christmas. Find out about it today by going to davidjeremiah.org. We'll see you tomorrow. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series of special Thanksgiving messages, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine Turning Points and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Romans, the Written Word Journal designed by David to help you know God's Word more deeply by writing the book of Romans in your own hand. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, available in your choice of handsome cover options. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we conclude our Thanksgiving-themed messages, On Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you're looking to enhance your personal or group Bible study, look no further than the Jeremiah Bible Study Series. In each volume, Dr. David Jeremiah helps you understand what the Bible says and how to apply it. Along the way, you will gain insights into the text, identify key themes, and be challenged to apply the truth found in Scripture to your life. Get your copy today. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca slash study. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash study. Are you looking for an effective tool for studying the scriptures? Dr. David Jeremiah has created an incredible new resource to help you do just that. The Bible tells us again and again to write down God's word. And it's a practice that has personally transformed my study of scripture. That is why I have created the first the written word journal so that you can join me in this powerful practice. I promise you, as you follow God's command to copy scripture by hand, your study of God's word will be stronger than ever. Here's more. This journal helps you create your own copy of Paul's letter to the Romans. On one side, you'll write selections from Romans word for word. On the other side, you'll record your thoughts, reflections, and prayers. When you donate any amount to support Turning Point, the written word journal is yours. If you give $60 or more, you'll receive the Romans 8 set, including this teaching series on CD or DVD and study guide. Order the book or the complete set at davidjeremiah.ca. One of the most famous directors in the history of stage and cinema was the late Greek-American director Elia Kazan. His movies and plays won numerous Oscar, Tony, and Golden Globe awards, but he never took his success for granted. He once said, You've got to keep fighting. You've got to risk your life every six months to stay alive. 
His words make life sound dangerous, but I think they are realistic. I think Jesus' apostles would have shouted amen to that. The key is to make sure that with every risk, there is a reward, which makes risking our life in service to Christ a win-win. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's rewards on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.